Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. Today is a moment of truth. It is the great divide, religious spirit. And normally I've done interviews with people who've written all kinds of religious books, spiritual books. I've done interviews with all kinds of theologians and writers of ancient texts, and I've really loved it. But something pervasive is happening in my own country, in the United States, that is alarming. I'm observing a kind of religious spirit. I'm observing it in industry. I'm observing it in religion. I'm reserving, I am observing it in different areas that I wouldn't have expected it. When it comes to climate, I'm observing a ferocious religious spirit, devoid a lot of times of discussion, of receptivity, of introspection. There's a dogmatic stance that's happening in a lot of different industries and a lot of different places that is alarming to me. In the area of censorship, there is a religious spirit coming out of different places, not only in the United States, but outside the United States, about why this speech has to be controlled. And so I want to take some examples from my own life, actually personal stories of how religious spirit, when it's in action, functions as a form of division. And it's not always obvious. Sometimes a religious spirit can happen in the background when you don't know what's happening until it's in your face. So it's not about a particular religion, although some of the examples may come from a particular religion just because they're good examples and they happen to happen. They happen to have happened to me. I've always been open to people from different religious traditions I love the sacred texts. I love to hear what people who have found new knowledge and discovery from ancient texts. I love history. I'm a student of history, and I love it when we find out that history was written incorrectly in and inaccurately with intent. I love to learn, and so this is just an example out of a commentary coming from my own experience. A few years ago, one of my teachers, Thich Nhat Hanh, who was a Buddhist monk who impacted hundreds of millions of people all over the world with his teachings about engaged Buddhism. He had people from every religion coming to him in France, outside of Bordeaux, to Plum Village. He and Sister Chang Kong and the other monks there were profound and will always be profound teachers of mine. And just because someone's your teacher doesn't mean you're perfect at it, doesn't mean you don't have continued work on it your whole life. But they really impacted my life. And Thich Nhat Hanh passed away a few years ago. I was very brokenhearted when it happened. I could cry now thinking about it. And I don't know that at that time that the public really knew that Sister Chang Kong was like his right hand, almost like the wife of Thich Nhat Hanh, if, if you could say that. 
supportive, nurturing, totally joined him in his work of peace all over the world, dedicated her life to what his life was about, and never left the guy's side unless it was for a particular purpose within their mission. And as I was watching a week's worth of funeral processions and the whole like beauty of people coming from all over the world and the sacredness of the ceremony and his body being transported back to the, his root temple in Vietnam, I just couldn't stop watching this process. I, I needed it for myself and to see how others were, were receiving the events. So I went on to YouTube during one of the, one of the events and I saw Sister Chang Kong and I really just about started to cry because I, I just could feel how brokenhearted she was to lose Ty. And no matter how much they believe, and we all, some of us believe that there's an afterlife and there's more to it than just your physicality. She still lost her main, her master, her, the person she joined this lifelong commitment with and to. And it was sad. And watching her was very sad for me. I did interview Sister Chang Kong in a piece I titled The Practice of Peace. You may enjoy that. Uh, we did a 2001 special. And um, I met Thich Nhat Hanh because I called Plum Village and Sister Chang Kong engaged me to come to a workshop at Deer Park in, just uh, in Encinitas, California, where I met Ty. And my life was changed forever. So I write, I go to, to YouTube, and I was very inspired to write something. I want to read you what I wrote, and I want to read you what somebody responded. And I want you to hear how I wrote this. These glasses need to be changed, but God help us all. All right. It is very difficult to see our tie lying in wait having passed on, surrounded by his loyal family of dedicated monks. I see Sister Chang Kong here at his side as she has been all these years. God, it makes me sad to even read this. Without a doubt, Tai will be one of the very few masters on earth that was loving, gentle, wise, inspirational, healing, and his presence was an agency of love and togetherness. I'm going to try to read this without my glasses. The vacuum of, his, of this is beyond understanding how much of a space he has left behind, not only for myself, but for the world. When one gets to this level of elevated being, when coming from real humility, it's a sight to behold. To all of the monks and leaders of his work and teachings, I offer you my profound respect and love at this time of his passing. I feel your sadness at the loss of your greatest living teacher. I'm with you all. I trust that you will transmit to the very best of your abilities the work that Ty spent 95 years and probably 95 lifetimes perfecting to bring us 
to bring to us on earth. I feel great sorrow at the loss of his tender, loving, like presence. And then I wrote, I know he's flying high with every angelic being. Um, so let's see here. I don't remember what else I said, but this is the reply that I got. And what I did is I actually ended up reading what I wrote, reading what I got, and I sent it to somebody because I was so shocked at the response. I pray that you repent for following Buddha (laughs) and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Following Buddha and claiming a follower of Buddha was the greatest teacher on earth will surely guarantee you a seat in the everlasting lake of fire. God said in Isaiah 43, 10 before me, there was no God or something. And before me, there was no God. Neither will be any other God after me. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the father in heaven. God told us, behold, this is my son. Listen to him. Jesus said, no one, not a single soul can go to God, but through me. My mother called this kind of talk. Really, my mother used to call Jesus an intermediary. (laughs) By the way, he wrote, Jesus died in the sins of the world and raised and rose from the dead and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no truth beside Jesus, this person writes. So I pray you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and turn away from Buddhism and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If you could see the place that Jesus saved us from when he became our shedding, his blood on the cross. If you could see it only for a moment, you would have turn, you would turn to Jesus and never look back for without the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a lake of everlasting fire and brimstone for those who reject the Son of God. But the love of God is greater than hell because death could not stop Jesus from loving us and rising from that grave. Now, here's my response to this person. I was so shocked, and I was in mourning at this funeral and watching Ty lying in wait. I wrote, I pray that you are able to internalize the real teachings of Christ as a being, and that the dogma that you are injecting into the sad passing of a great human being is revealed for what it is. Ty was and still is one of the greatest teachers on earth, and he would be the first one to recognize Christ as one of the great teachers on earth. I am not at all worried about hellfire and damnation. I am not worried that the Bible has been rewritten over a hundred times and interpreted not even from the original language in which Christ spoke, lived, 
and lived Aramaic. I worry for you that you are able to find peace and let go of your need to judge and criticize others. Your commentary has no place at this funeral and the sad passing of this sweet and wonderful teacher, or frankly, at anyone's passing. Let us mourn without your judgment and condemnation. Much healing and love for you or to you. I can't remember which one I wrote. That was my response to this person's response. What you heard was an implacable, intractable religious spirit that had to bust through and intervene with no discernment at all that there was a funeral process happening. No care, no consideration, no connection to human suffering that somebody was honoring in their life some wonderful teachers and one of them who had passed. And his most primary associate and family member, practically, Sister Shang Kong. That's an example of the deadening experience of dealing with a religious spirit. And so I want you to know that that's an example of how it works. It doesn't care who it criticizes, what the situation is, what's going on. There is no care and connection at all. It's a deadening intrusion into anything it perceives is unlike it or different than it or expanded from it or coming from a different place of it. It has zero receptivity to anything else outside the dogmatic confines of its understanding. Religious spirit is the great divider. Okay? It shuts down all conversation all inquisitiveness, receptivity, imagination, thoroughness, reconsideration. Okay. Now, I had a very dear friend. And by the way, again, I'm friends with people from every religious background you can imagine. I moved to Charlotte in 2019, December. And I, I don't remember the date, but I met, I met somebody, a friend of mine. She had four children. She was from Europe and uh, actually from Brazil, but had lived in Europe and was trained in the area of law during the heaviness, the worst time of COVID. You know, we became closer and closer and closer because there was so much division going on. Now, it happened to be she was a born-again Christian, Okay. And I've had clients that were born-again Christians, like devout born-again Christians, as high as the Pentagon, okay? And scientists who were my clients. And um, so 
at this time, a few years later, I end up doing a piece on remote viewing, controlled remote viewing with Lynn Buchanan. By the way, wonderful segment on the discoveries of the human mind and what some major discoveries that have been kept from the whole world. Anyway, we do some animation. I do writing for this piece. I really put it all out, okay? And I really love Lynn Buchanan. I wanted to do a great service as well to his body of work in the world. And I'm very excited about it, and I tell her about it, and I send her a link to the show. And she was very concerned at that time that I was not religious enough, I wasn't spiritual enough, and even though I believed in God or a you know universal uh, divine creator or divine intelligence, that it wasn't specific enough and that I was drifting from the Godhead. I was drifting as a person who believed in God, as a person who loved God, as a person who really don't doesn't see God as distinct from the highest level of divine intelligence. To me, it's the same. But she got very worried that I was unequally yoked, like starting to not be a safe friend. So we talked a little bit about this, and I thought things got cleared up. So when Thich Nhat Hanh passed away, um, I sent her a link to the funeral services and how people were coming from all over the world, every tradition. I was really sad. I mean, I just, I'm still sad, okay? And all of a sudden, I don't remember what, whether, whether it was a week later or days later, I get this letter in an email. I want to read it to you. Dear Kim, I wanted to write you personally since our last conversation. I, ha- I hope that you know that I genuinely care about you. Our last conversation left me feeling quite alarmed and afraid as I told you on the phone. I think she was referring to the, to the um, re- controlled remote viewing interview that I did with Lynn Buchanan. You mentioned something to me which sowed fear in my heart. Probably the remote viewing. (laughs) Before I gave my life to Christ, I was involved in New Age. And this is something that I have come to see as against the Holy Spirit and Word of God. I repented of this and many other sins and was baptized, as you know. I'm trying to live my life for Christ and in reverence to his word and by his grace, am seeking to follow his ways. You know I'm not perfect, and she puts a smiley face. That's kind of like with one eye squinted. I have learned in my life that my any practice which I cannot trace back to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as the source is to be renounced. I repented of this. Let's see. Um, oh, yeah, okay, anyway. She goes, um... I'll repeat it. I am trying to live my life for Christ and in reverence to his word and by his grace am seeking to follow his ways. You know I'm not perfect. I've learned in my life that any practice I cannot trace back to God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit is the source is to be renounced. Okay. 
any wisdom, knowledge, or understanding which I received comes solely from God and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which he lavished on me. This is what she's writing to me. Since becoming a born-again believer, the word of God is the ultimate authority for my life. With the help of the Holy Spirit, God's word helps me know Jesus and teaches me what is good and pleasing in his eyes. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. All scripture is God-breathed. I have shared these beloved scriptures with you and can only urge you to read them more. I want to be absolutely honest with you and say that I think it's best not to continue a friendship. As we appear to be on a different track in this regard, and I will be accountable to the Lord for the things he has shown me personally. I hope I have been some help and encouragement to you. Thank you for your help and encouragement during all the difficult times I had in Belgium and the pandemic. With love always and hope you find an amazing home soon. I'm not going to say her name to protect her. I was so shocked when I got this letter. I mean, I have to tell you, shocked. Okay? And sad. And what? The person, she was very nice the way she said goodbye. Some people wouldn't even say goodbye. They would just cut you off. And stay tuned because I have one of those too. Okay. Appreciate the kindness with which this was shared. And it shows you that she's a good person. But what is it that would make somebody cut somebody off who's been a major asset in their life is a religious spirit. It's unyielding. It's intractable. It's unreceptive. It's dogmatic. It's confining. It's judgmental. The action. Religious spirit did that. Dogma did that. Okay? This is a great divider. Not her. The spirit that is activating her to separate from somebody like me a major support in her life, but somebody who's involved in different work, asking different questions, doing different things, leading a different life. Cut, canceled, okay? Nicely, but canceled. See what I'm saying? You know who you are if you hear this out there. I forgive you for this but it still is what it is now let's talk about climate I was a religious fanatic about climate change global warming to begin with I believed everything I heard about it before I ever covered it on its rainmaking time. I just did. I almost was a zealot. You couldn't talk to me. Until I rolled up my sleeves and I did my own investigation like I do on everything else about climate 
and weather and cycles in every facet of the realm. And two years later, it was clear to me after doing, I think, 26 segments, we needed to stay apart from the dogma. We needed to stand back and go for the data and let the dogma go. So, because climate change, or what was global warming, that's how it started, became a new religion, a Gaia religion, and I love the earth, so please, it's, it's very easy for me to be a, you know, a, Ga- a Gaia lover, because I love this earth. But I realized that there is massive dogma and a lot of religious spirit in the climate realm. And that it was stopping conversation. It was stopping discussion. It was stopping receptivity. It was stopping everything. Movement, progress, and that there was no discussion. End of discussion. This is what's in the UN Bible, and that's it. Okay? So... Anybody that does not see it that way, speak it that way, has different data sets about what's been happening over millions of years or bringing up elements that are different than what the public is being focused on, they're anathema, okay? They should be silenced. In times of antiquity, they would burn people at the stake for thinking different or seeing different or in Galileo times. That's religious spirit. You see? So religious spirit just isn't in somebody in a religious context, like formal. There's a religious spirit in the American Medical Association. There's a religious spirit in the FDA and dogma. So it's something that exists in all all areas of the world. You just have to watch how it works because you're interacting with religious spirit, the great divider, and you have to know it when you see it, when you hear it, when you feel it. It's there. Now, I'll give you an example, another example, and this is kind of, it's not pleasant to talk about because it's so, this is another one that's so shocking. Um, I had a friend of mine who was born again, Jewish, from Los Angeles. Very creative, by the way. Very creative, my God. And she knew about the work I was doing with my company, the Rainmaking Company, and helping bring products to the market, packaging products, intellectual property packaging, uh, and helping inventors bring their work to the world, assisting scientists in being able to bring their work to the world, a lot of it quietly, not even with a lot of fanfare. So she introduced me to this woman who had been, this older woman who had gone to a prosperity church in Los Angeles. And I was doing life coaching with this older woman. I think this was in 2000, somewhere about like, I think nine or 10, I think, somewhere around there. And I go to the woman's house. We're in the middle of the whole thing. And then we get into the financial area. 
I started to ask her a lot of questions in her finances, and it was very clear to me the woman was being mishandled. Something was not right. And I get very strong download sense and, 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 you know, like an emphatic sense of where to look for stuff. I just, you know, it's happened to me my whole life. I'm rarely incorrect when I get these things. So anyway, we went into the woman's account and I found out that her pastor, who was head of this prosperity church in Los Angeles, was inside her E-Trade account moving her money, buying stocks in which he was on the board of directors for those companies. (laughs) This guy should have been put in jail, okay? But anyway, long story short, yeah, it was 2009. 2009, the market crashes. But prior to that, I went in to her E-Trade account at her house, and I said, how much did you put in here? And she gave me the amount. And I said, do you, know, do you know that you've lost 30% of your money? She said, no. I said, how come you don't know? She goes, because Pastor Blank Blank handles it. I go, what do you mean he handles it? Well, he buys it. He buys what? We went through the whole thing. And here she is, 30% of her savings is gone. Not a peep, not a word from her pastor. So I worked with her. We pulled her out of E-Trade. And we put her in a secured fund, a gold fund, a bullion fund. And we moved it so that he couldn't continue to do that and not talk to her. So we had a long talk about that. And I said, you, you know, you can't keep letting your pastor do this. And, you know, she said, well, he's anointed. I said, listen, if he's so anointed, he would have got on the phone with you and told you what happened. You don't even deserve to know. You got someone that's doing things with your money in which you don't even know. You have blind trust in him and the same person in you that has blind trust in him. Just let him completely take gut 30% of your holdings and never have to tell you. So she goes back. That same person introduced me to another client. This older guy went, consulted him. came back it was just a couple hours and I'm sitting at lunch with my friend who's the born again in Los Angeles my girlfriend Kristen we're just sitting at the table we're all having lunch this other gentleman and Kristen puts her arms around me at the table no kissing no making out no leaning and laying all over each other None of that. Just puts her arms around me at the table. I don't know whether it was 30 seconds or whatever it was. Okay, we finish. We have the lunch, the whole bit. I'm supposed to go back to this older lady and wrap up what's going to happen next, okay? And I know her brother's coming into town, and I'm told that he has, you know, some type of mental problem or whatever. I call her. I don't get a call back. I call again. I don't get a call back. I call five days from then, I don't get a call back. I call a week after that, I don't get a call back. And I said to my friend, I think something happened to her. I hope she's okay. I hope she didn't die or something. It's like, why would you not call somebody back? So I called my friend, Kristen, you know, the one that was at the, at the, at the lunch table. And I said, come with me to her house. I I hope she's okay. 
something's wrong. So we drive to her house, okay, and we wait. There's nothing. There's no car. She goes up, rings the doorbell, nothing. Nobody answers. We call the phone. Nobody answers about. I said, let's just wait here. We wait 30 minutes. This van drives up. This woman driving a van. My client gets out of the car, walks in the house. My car is in front of theirs. I get out of the car and I go to talk to the woman who's driving the van. I said, is she okay? She goes, yes. I go, you know, I've been calling her for like two weeks and she's not called me back and I've been working with her. She goes, are you Kim Greenhouse? I said, yes. She goes, she is not going to ever talk to you. I said, why? She goes, because she, she's unequal. You and her are not equally yoked. I go, what does that mean? You, she goes, she's, uh, she, you know, you're not into Jesus Christ and she doesn't deal with anybody who's gay. What? I said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm her life coach, and I just actually helped her find out that her pastor just gutted 30% of her money. What are you talking about? She's never going to talk to you, and she's never going to return your calls. And she walks off. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is religious spirit. This is not only dogma. This is how religious spirit works. It doesn't matter that I just pulled this woman's money out of an E-Trade account that her pastor was gutting, putting money into his own company, not telling her. But because he's the anointed pastor, he gets a pass. My girlfriend puts her arms around me at a table for 30 seconds. I am criticized. I am judged. I am condemned. I am disassociated with. I am evil. I am a monster. And I am never to be communicated with again because we're not equally yoked. I am not a human, apparently. You see what I'm saying? This is religious spirit at its finest, justified. Yeshua never did this. Religious spirit does this. Condemns, divides, discards, disassociates. Think about it. The same person that went in, life coached this woman, got her to face that 30% of her holdings were gutted by her pastor who didn't belong in her account, never discussed anything with her, should have been put in jail, was given a pass because he was anointed. By who? Who anointed this creature? But Kim Greenhouse, who went in to help this woman move everything forward, was treated like trash, discarded like trash. That's religious spirit, ladies and gentlemen. That's religious spirit. It's in everything. The ability to disassociate at that level when somebody has not done anything to warrant that out of some different belief. I mean, it's just incredible. 
It's incredible. And there are people disassociating from each other who are on different sides or different perspectives of what's happening with climate. You know, if I say to somebody, look, I've done 26 segments on every facet of climate. We haven't covered the grand solar minimum yet. But when you get into the grand solar minimum and you learn that solar cycles for billions of years have impacted climate directly in a huge way, that they are at the one of the forcings of expanded earthquakes, volcanic activity, ice ages, dire cold, agriculture, food crops dying. You don't hear about it. That's because of dogma. You don't hear about it. It's not in the equation out of a religious spirit to deny its existence, its impact. See what I'm saying? It's here. It's here. And there's religious spirit in the finance world. Right? The Fed dollar is it, right? The Fed dollar is it when people don't even know what the Fed is or what, how the Fed was formed or that it's not federal. This religious ideological framework, this, this religious spirit about something like that. And then you bring in Bitcoin, and there's a lot to be concerned about. There's a lot to be uncomfortable about. It's not just a new thing. It's a whole new system. The banking system has been making up economies, synthetic economies, for years Bankrupting economies, bankrupting locations on earth, bankrupting countries, killing off industry. So when you believe in the Fed, you have a religious spirit. Religious spirit is one of the great dividers. I'm Kim Greenhouse. I hope this is food for thought on this commentary on religious spirit. Thank you so much for listening. If there are people you'd like me to interview that you think would make a compelling, dynamic, interesting, and thought-provoking conversation, please suggest them. For those of you that, that who would like to see some interviews with people like Elon Musk or Michael Saylor or anybody else, that you think would be, or I'll tell you who I really would like to interview beside those two people. I would really like to interview Vandana Shiva. Okay. And I think that these would be worthy of financing completely and monetizing them through you. It's rainmaking time. Thank you so much. Over now.